one I was given, and it was a bit bitter pill to chew at the time, and I was actually very upset when I got it. But I think I've learned in three weeks alone, we had 7,500 from just one guest. Once you're always searching for the answer, you'll find it. On today's Engaging Marketeer podcast, I am speaking with a property developer and investor, Toyin Arandare. Toyin went from sitting at home and watching episodes of Homes Under the Hammer, which many of us, including myself, have done, and thought, I could do that. And she went out to property auctions and bid on properties and didn't win any of them. Uh, But she kept trying. She didn't give up and she kept going and eventually she won a property at auction. She developed that. She made money on that. She then built her portfolio, went from higher and higher and higher into property mentoring and now has an eight-figure property business. I'll be speaking to Toyin about how she did that and how she suggests other people could also replicate her success. What what sort of of advice do you give on the, the podcast that you do? I think I majorly just sort of share my story um, and obviously just obviously maybe just trying to make people understand that they, they can. Um, um, I think it's just me, making people understand financial freedom is not something that, um, I mean, it's, it's not a nice to have, it's, it's a necessity. And also making everyone understand that the respective of your background or where you've come from or how late in the day you think you started or how early you have, then you can definitely do it. And also, I think the other message I sort of try and pass across is um, being a female, because, I mean, in a male-dominated world, property developers, um, that is very possible. Yes, we're not that many, but do not be intimidated by that and just try and make it sure it happens. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty much sort of those sort of messages just pretty much make people understand that it is possible, really. Because what I understand about you now, you, you've got a really successful property developer business. And yes. I think it's eight figure business. Is that right? Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive. So, yeah, where did, where did you start? What was your your first venture into property? Um, so I actually started by watching Amazon and Emma. So I'd, I had my second daughter, or I think even before then, I've always watched the program, and um, I um, not necessarily. I didn't think um, I didn't think anything of it, but I was looking for an avenue else because I wanted to be an intentional parent, which meant that I needed to be more available and obviously being working in working in nine to five, or well, not necessarily nine to five, seven to six. Because by the time you calculate the travel time, and I think um, I wanted to be more intentional, and I thought, thought I was thinking of ways um, I could actually make the income and be accustomed accustomed to the lifestyle I already had without having to start all over again. So. Um, I think property, I just thought, oh, I'll try it. I'll try our property. So bought by the property at auction. Very now looking back, I thought that was actually I am um, that was very brave. But I just I think it's and it for me really it shows that it's what you expose yourself to. Because I'd watch under there, I just binge watch it and straight away I just thought I could. I mean I, they don't tell you everything in the picture in, in 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 the program, but I think that was what I just did. I, I told myself if I could make a certain amount in six months then I was definitely going to just not go back to nine to five and be there. I say 10 years on, I have not gone back. So you, so you watched homes under the hammer and you thought I can do that. And you, so you found your, your nearest property auction. Yep. And you went there and you, did you have an idea of particular property you were going to 
going to acquire? So obviously the, the, the preamble to that is the fact that I'd gone to several auctions and I was getting outbid every time. And it was just uh, like, what? It, 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 I mean, we didn't see this part on, on the program. Uh, and obviously at the point, at, at the time, I literally had no one, absolutely no one that ever done it. No one physically I could ask any question. I, I, I used to phone around all of the um, um, financial advisors around and just look on Google and I mean amazingly nobody knew anything and they said so because I, I was struggling to say okay how do I even make up the money in the first place to buy it where, where do I get finance and no one knew anything said it, I was told that you have to buy cash so it was just really, really difficult um, but eventually when I decided I was going to do this I had gone to several auctions I was getting outbid and I was like there's something wrong with my num- with the numbers I'm, I'm probably not stacking it up because how come people are able to buy at a certain amount and I can't and but it was I think the key thing here was persistence, not being being um, resilient as well, just not let, not taking no for an answer. And I kept on going until I eventually found the property. And I think before I actually bought that property, I told my I done told myself, come with me. I was buying that property at that <laughs> auction, and I think I decided that I was prepared to make a loss. I was prepared to make a loss in the fact that I, I thought I needed to get past that first stage because it just seemed like a bottleneck and I was not going mm. anywhere. So I wanted to get past that stage and then say, you know what, I've done it. It doesn't work. Or I have, um, I, what I was the one doing the number. So I literally was going to prepare to buy it at very expensive. Now, not necessarily anything that I would mention to any of my mentees now or or tell them they should do that because obviously looking back, it's like, well, that's how I end money that you're just happy to let it go. So, but I think for me, what I realized that is I could actually do this and um i mean good good thing i did because obviously buying that property then meant that i i, I then was able to go to the next stage which was dealing with builders going through the sale and the rest of that but once i did that thankfully i didn't lose any money on the property it wasn't a major 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 brim um it wasn't major major um profit but it was the fact that uh, it could let me get to that stage and and believe you me before i actually even was able to sell that property i bought the next one because there was almost like, oh, okay, I know what how this works. Next one, obviously, bought an auction as well, and then obviously I, I started thinking. I, I, the, the other bottleneck was I, I think I had issues with selling the properties, and there was just um, such delay. And I was like, oh, how do I do it? Those are guys, the guys I've watched under Oms under the Emma, they tend to be able to buy a few, and um, they, they keep doing this as a business. And I just feel I feel stuck. And the next thing was, okay, how do I actually look for finance? How do I make this work? And I think. Once you're always searching for the answer, you would always, you'll find it. Hmm. If you accept that there is, is a no and I cannot do this and it's, 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 it's impossible, then that's your answer. So I was always looking for the answers. I was looking for solutions. I was looking for how, how I could get out of what I term at the time was the rat race and still achieve the high life. Because one of the things that I've always wanted is to be successful right from when I was a child, even though I didn't know how. I didn't know what, I, what success even meant, but I've always wanted, desired to have a successful like whatever that meant to me at the time and so yeah kept on going so when you were a child did you have role models that were successful no i mean i'd always look up to aunties and uncles that 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 in my mind well at least were so more successful than my parents as it were and always looked at them i think there's there's a bit of it that's i think i would say is innate Mm. but looking back at my childhood I don't think I had, I don't, I never really had anyone that was directly successful and that was looking up to, other than I, I was also looking at that stage. And I think it's, it's really key. And, and one of the things I'm trying to do for my daughters is the, is, is the exposure. I didn't necessarily have the exposure 
But when I did find someone, I just admired them from a distance, but I didn't have any, I wouldn't say I had any direct um, guidance or direct, um, I, I would go to um, houses of um, maybe rich cousins. I mean, looking back now, what I actually referred to as rich was like, mm. but then that was what, what was available to me. Um, and, and But I always would go around, just admire what they had. I, I think I was looking more of the products as against how did you get there? But as I grew up thinking about my secondary school days, my um, university days, I always I was always asking questions. Oh, how do you do this? Oh, whoa. oh, and and always sort of moving towards those that I tend successful, and and just sort of look at how I can actually get connected to them or what what they could actually do for me. And yeah, I think it's just being inquisitive, really. Um, the, I mean, all of, all of all of those questions I've asked at the, at the time may not be directly in, in relatable to where I am right now, but I think what it did was give me an insight into the fact that it is possible. Whatever I set my heart to do, I can achieve. Mm. No, that, that, that's a great message, a great message for everybody to follow. If you set your heart to it, you can achieve it. Um, if if you didn't have the the mentors or the, the people to look up to when you were younger, is that something you've looked for now? Absolutely. Um, so obviously, I remember the first time I sort of got in touch with like a property trainer and a wrestler and I told them what I'd achieved in terms of the property I'd bought. I think at the time I'd even done a commercial to residential conversion. And they're like, whoa, I mean, all without any knowledge and, and without any I mean, property training and rest of that. And I said to them, OK, but I want to come in your training because I know I can only go as far as I want to, as I think I can. There, there comes a time that you need that. And um and basically like well i'm not quite sure we can offer you so much because obviously you've done this much anyway along the shoulders i got i got a mentor and i and i actively believe in mentorship in masterminds now the reason why i say so is i mean i i got i, I, I am fortunate enough in the fact that i have i have um i'm zealous and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm also um i'll say motivated as well but there's only so far that would get me and I, I mean, I would always, always only limit myself to what I'm exposed to. What I wanted and what I constantly am part of is masterminds. I was, I was saying to someone the other day that I'm a part of, because I'm, I'm not just part of one mastermind, I'm part of some masterminds that I, I know I'm the most knowledgeable, most experienced in the room, but I still go there. Because just the, fa- the mere fact of knowing people are coming behind me will keep you on your toes. And so none, it's, not, it's not necessarily just looking up to people. It's also who are those around you, who are those behind you. So I stay motivated by all of that. And so, yes, I do have mentors now. I have mastermind groups. I belong to training groups that just help me. Even my mentees that I actually, I mean, I'll be delivering um, a, a speech to example, and I would say things that I would be like, I'd actually write them down just to remind myself. Is there things that you know, but sometimes you almost need to call yourself into a board meeting and remind yourself of the things you've learned or you've gathered over the years and almost make sure you, you you action those items. So yeah, definitely. I, 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 I started off on my own, but mm. I would definitely say I got here with the help of um, mentors, with the help of, I mean, other experienced people that have been hold my hands and give me answers to certain questions I've not been able to set on my own. So do you, do you think if you'd had property mentees at the beginning, you'd have done things differently? obviously if I, if I had mentorship there's some some mistakes i made that i didn't necessarily need to make um some 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 mentors some mistakes you make you, you there are two ways to learn you learn by your mistakes or you learn by other people's experiences and i mean looking back and what i've achieved the size of our portfolio is great it's massive right don't, don't get me wrong 
but I know definitely there's some, it could have been easier, right? It could have been easier. It could have been faster. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, if I had had a mentor at the beginning, I would absolutely not have made certain mistakes. I would have made it a lot, my journey a lot easier, but I'm thankful for my journey because if I'd waited to have that, because, and, and, and I think in my, in my, in my situation, it wasn't even before because I didn't want to get one. I had absolutely no idea there was anything like that. I didn't even know there was anything about like network meetings. I didn't know. Absolutely. I think we had got, I, I got into a stage where I realized that this was becoming more difficult. And I, well, like I said, when I got stuck and I had the properties, I was struggling to sell them. I couldn't get another one. I said, there must be a way out. And I remember my husband coming back or that um, one day saying, oh, he found this, I think it wasn't, wasn't the Metro, it was um, is it London Evening Paper. It was one of those, I think it's no longer been used. And he just said he found this um, property seminar at the back of the paper. Oh, maybe we should try it. I was like, oh, someone's talking about property. And we went there and I was like, oh my goodness. And it was almost like a whole new world opened up. I don't realize that a lot of people doing what I was doing. Because up until then, I'd only seen them on the screen. And I didn't realize that it was. So straight away, I was like, oh, there's property mentorship. Um, there, there was, I think it was not mentorship. It was maybe property trainings that way. So obviously, being in the room, yeah, what they said, I knew most of those things. But for me, it was, uh, I remember somebody saying, oh, do you know that there's something called network meetings? I was like, whoa. And it's just amazing. You don't know what you don't know. Because obviously, then I went on um, Google. And a lot of things were coming up. I was like, where has this been? Because I've been looking. Obviously, I've not been typing the right thing. And I think that's really, really key to mm. understand that you do not know what you do not know. Because I would never, I, I had search. I'm trusting, I had search. But obviously, I wasn't searching the key, key, keywords. I don't know why it did not come up. I don't know what exactly. But mainly, someone mentioned to me, there's something called networking meetings. You can obviously have environments like this regularly. And I looked, there was one in my local area that had been meeting, they'd been meeting regularly. And I'd never seen it. Just like wow, and obviously the rest is history. I started going to networking meetings, started getting involved with different property training courses. Um, some some of them just just refresh what I knew, or, or get almost like a a a, a structured way of what I knew, because obviously I was sort of pulling it and just trying to pull the strings every now and then. They're not necessarily like I knew exactly what I was doing, and yeah, it's been beautiful. You know, it, it's really interesting you say that, the fact that you, you'd searched but you hadn't found anything that was useful. Because obviously my business is digital marketing and we help clients get in front of the, their target customer audience. And the biggest issue we find is that businesses don't know what their clients are actually looking for. Because if they knew, if, if they knew property mentoring existed, they'd search for property mentoring, but they don't know it exists. Absolutely. So they're not searching for the solution to the problem they're searching for what their problem is and it's a kind of a flip way of, of doing it so there's there's loads of people like you were at the beginning out there now that that need what property mentoring what mentors like you can give them but they don't know that you exist very true actually. they don't know you exist that's a fantastic point you made because actually that's true because i mean I, I i as a company could think oh well, let's just put property mentoring now but if i put if i if i put myself in my shoes 10 years ago I, I was never going to search for that word because I didn't think that was what I, I didn't even know what I, so what I should have been, yeah, absolutely makes sense. The keywords, what you, what, 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 um, you're, you're sort of marketing yourself at is really key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can I ask, what, what was the first property uh, event that you went to? It was the um, field, FFF, geofielding or something. Yeah. Right. It was find it, find it, fund it, flip it. I can remember find that. Find it, fund it, flip it. Yeah, um, so it was FFF. I don't know if they're still existence, but it's just, yeah. So when, 
maybe not maybe possibly that one possibly another one that you went to but what what was the first property strategy or, or piece of advice that you saw at one of these events that you thought oh, that's brilliant i wish i knew that i think that's the thing in mm, I, I literally so like I, I, i'd done the buy refurbish refinance i bought i'd done the flips I'd done buying auctions, I'd, I'd done a commercial conversion, all of this without any knowledge. The one thing I think in terms of our business that we do now that we actually had to go and train for was service accommodation. Mm-hmm. We had no clue that existed, didn't even know it was a thing. And to think that we've made millions of pounds in that sort of from, 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 from that portfolio at all is like massive. I would never, never even thought it was possible. So I think that was definitely one of them. Obviously, I didn't do that immediately. I started, I found property education. I sort of almost like gave myself, got, got balance, refined the processes and do, did things differently. And then we started targeting um, cash flow and obviously we went for service accommodation course, um, which was a progressive. And then um, ever since then, we just, uh, yeah, took it to the next level, really. I think that's one that needs to be repeated there for any anybody into property who hasn't had training, who's listening to this, or any buy-to-let landlords. You made millions of pounds through serviced accommodation. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, and to be quite honest, when I did start the business, I had no clue I could get there. Hmm. But like you said, you 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 have to be in it to win it. If I was if I was being if I if I was waiting. To, to, to get to the stage where I think, oh, yeah, I can make millions and I would have probably just be starting now because I don't need this proof of seeing people that have done that. But I actually just thought, okay, if you make a few a thousand pounds, I can make a thousand pounds from a property that I do not own. Um, well, then let's try it. Let's do it. But obviously within the few first, I mean, first few years, just one client, over, um, over half a million we got from them in terms of revenue, obviously across a few properties um, and also across... Um, I do what was was a few months. It was in the European. They had a big project, but that that was just one client, and then several other clients that we've had, and yeah, really never would have been contacted by them if I if I wasn't set up for the business. They would never met met me met up with me with with an inquiry to say, well, would you start up this business so that we can actually pay this amount of money? I had to have set up my business, so I had to have taken that risk of. Well, it could possibly work. It could not work. I think that's always the fear of anyone thinking, "What if he doesn't work?" Well, what if he does? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's no way of knowing without actually um, taking that first step. So, yeah, absolutely glad I did. <laughs> and you mentioned then it was properties that you don't own as well. I, I take it the service accommodation was with Kevin Paneskis. No, it wasn't. It was with um, Paul Smith at the time. Ah, Paul Smith at the time. Okay, um, this is. You said it's property you don't own. Um, have you done any service accommodation with property that you do own, or is it all effectively rent to rent? Um, so most, I mean, most of our portfolio, most of the portfolio service accommodation are owned properties. Um, I think so. We, we we obviously started, like I rightly said, we, we built our portfolio way before we were going to service accommodation. So we're fortunate enough to have our properties. Um, but as we started expanding, I got excited by this new idea because obviously <laughs> I was one of the leading proofs at the time. Like, again, this is a benefit of. of being in property, we had not, and we had bought a land, bought a land with a property, and we knocked it down to build our house. And so we actually stayed in a in an hotel for about five months. So I was living proof that service accommodation was required, it was needed in my area because I know how difficult it was with two 
with two kids, my husband living in a hotel. It was terrible going to school. So I knew that I, I didn't even need anyone to, 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 to tell me service accommodation worked because I had looked in the area, there was nothing. And I had actually had to stay in that uncomfortable situation. So for me, it was a, it was a no-brainer. And what one of the things that also then made me know that but from properties I do not own could actually be a possibility was I, I where I live, I didn't have a portfolio at the time. I'd already be buying my property, my properties in you know, higher cash flowing areas. And so what I wanted to actually set it up in that area. So I just was in my case of contacting a few landlords and, and, and agents in the area. And I just realized, actually, if I can make money off my portfolio and also be able to maximize having um, other people's portfolio, why do I have to stick to one? And so we, we currently still have it. We still have, I mean, we, we convert we convert commercial buildings to block of apartments and we use them for service accommodation in terms of our own properties. But obviously where where we're, where areas that we know that we've identified as demand and we do not have portfolio and we don't have a portfolio there, or we don't have enough properties there, we still sort of rent, do rent to rent as well. I remember when I went on my first service accommodation course, I mentioned Kevin because it was with Kevin Paneskis. That moment when you realise that a, a buy-to-let property that you own earns, say, for example, £800 a month, if you use it for service accommodation, it can earn four, five, six, seven times that mm-hmm. without tenants. That moment was like being hit with an anvil. <laughs> was it- Absolutely. I mean, that, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I, one of the examples I have is a property that, I mean... The, the mortgage is about a thousand pounds, so it's an expensive property. Um, but what what we did with the property, I mean, the, the wood the would normally, I mean, it's good cash flow because if you're going to do a single family let, you probably get two thousand pounds. But in seven, in three weeks alone, just this this last month, in, in three weeks alone, we had seven thousand five hundred from just one guest. Seven thousand five hundred, and we would have gotten two thousand for the whole month. And that was not. In, and the next, the next week again, we had another three thousand pound booking as well for for about. Set. Obviously, it is an expensive area, expensive, and it is summer. But it's just like, whoa! I could have had that and just get a thousand pound cash flow. Now I'm talking about multiples of thousands pounds extra in cash flow. It's like, why do you even bother? <laughs> but obviously, the balance, the balance. I always say to people, it's, it's always have good having a balanced portfolio because we know what happened the last few years. And I know a lot of my um, colleagues within the service accommodation, other service accommodation operators, well, literally went out of the market because they didn't have their own property, property portfolio on single single lets, for example, HMOs, or or we we also have commercial tenants, so they didn't have that balance portfolio. So it literally, yeah, <laughs> whacked mm. them out. So I think there is that you, you've got to understand that. Don't just, I mean, you can start off with one. But obviously, you've got to at some point think about how do I have a balanced portfolio across? Because that is where you, when you can talk, start talking about wealth. Hmm. Multiple streams. Multiple streams. Multiple streams. That that actually, you've you've brought that up. That's a good question. That's something I, I've been meaning to ask, um, particularly somebody who's really into service accommodation as you are. Yeah. How did COVID affect it? Um. Again, I think because we had been in business for a few years, it helped us because we had setting um, long-term stays that, that sort of helped the portfolio. Overall, the portfolio would probably have been able to pay for itself, not necessarily give us anything, which, to be honest, we're very thankful for even at that because the fact that we could keep our staff, we could keep setting, we could, we could keep the, the properties we had, we could just sort of stay afloat, really. I think that was the aim of the period, was just to make sure that we stay afloat. And then uh, because we also had other properties doing other strategies, 
it sort of helped us stay afloat. However, the service accommodation element itself was definitely where it was hit because we had properties that were locked up, not doing nothing. Even when we had, um, when we had, um, say for example, requests from like NHS workers and not just NHS, there was also there was a name being called um, key workers. Key workers, yeah. Key workers. Even when we had, even when we had um, such inquiries, some of them we couldn't actually take because we didn't have housekeeping that was available and it was just so it, it was such difficult to run at, at that point in time but i think it was so unsettling that i think the, the key thing was as long as we can stay afloat as long as we can keep our staff because i mean I, the last thing i wanted to do to any of them was to say sorry you've got to go it was it was it was it was such a difficult time at the time so that's what that was our major aim and i think that's good because obviously once we went came out of covid it meant that we had properties available to sort of start renting out, whereas a lot of people were still trying to sort of see whether they wanted to start a business again or not. Or, or not. So that really was key for us. The multiple streams of different property income, as well as um, the fact that we, had, we, we, we we stabilized and we were just looking to stay afloat. I mean, the property development side was a different story because we had development sites that were locked up, paying development finance. And if you know about that, you know, there was no no recourse and paying tens of thousands of pounds for not for no income coming was painful. It was mm-hmm. painful. Um, sometimes I think I still wonder if we've totally, totally um, recovered from it, but um, it, it is what it is. It wasn't, it wasn't expected no matter how good in business you were, yeah. there was only so much you could do at that period. But thankfully we are alive. When there's life, there's, when there's, real, there's life, then you obviously can think about other opportunities, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I've got the opinion, I mean, I obviously don't know as much about service conversation as you do. I doubt there's many people who do. Um, I think, personally, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, that post-COVID now, service accommodation is going to be even more popular than it was before. Because I think people wanting to go on holiday are going to be hesitant about going into hotels and having shared breakfast areas and buffet breakfasts. Uh, they're going to want their own space. So I think service accommodation now is going to be more popular than it was before. Are you seeing anything to back that up, or am I just? Absolutely, and as a matter of fact, even within our business, we because we, we, we have we have like online courses that we run, and um, we've seen sort of a, 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 a huge demand of people wanting service accommodation courses now. And the re- reason is not just post COVID. Yeah, you're right. Post COVID, what we realize is uh, most of the inquiries we're getting where. Um, companies were looking to actually have two people in a room and a two-bedroom flat. They're actually having six people in there just by managing the space. It was literally two-bedroom apartment, two people, because everyone wanted their individual rooms, even though they were working together. So you obviously had that, and which means that they need more properties. But also what I think is also led to the demand is the fact that interest rate rises, which obviously was very low during um, COVID, um, is going back up. And people are beginning to realize the, the, the huge need for a cash flow business. So having been able to stay afloat, being able to have extra money in there to actually combat whatever demand, because the one thing that would happen within like a single let business, so for example, with our commercial properties and even our, our buy to let, we've had interest rates increase. Every single time the Bank of England raised MMM interest has risen, our mortgages have risen because we're on like commercial rates variable. So it rises with that. But we've got t- 12 months 24 months tenants in them, ASD tenants in them, we can't increase their rent. So straight away, that cash flow that we have there is shrinking. And so service accommodation is going to be, is literally the way a lot of people are turning to, because you can not only do that with your existing portfolio, you can also balance that out with renting out from 
other landlords that are not interested or are a bit worried about the different um, fluctuations we have in the market. And they are actually looking to sort of hand over their portfolio. And so a lot of people are now realizing what is going to be key in this particular volatile market is having extra cash flow. And we know, we all know that's what one of the major things that service accommodation gives, gives you that extra cash flow boost. So we as a business, we're actually looking to expand that more because we also need exactly the same thing. We're certainly seeing a lot of people talking about service accommodation more. Um, also, maybe because of the confidence of realizing travel is back, the hospitality business is actually booming now. Um, we, we've, we've heard a lot of things that have been coming with flights being cancelled. They've not been able to keep up with the demand. So everything is sort of back to normal. And, um, and um, yeah, everyone's sort of looking to come in, whether new or um, um, new operators or even existing ones, people are looking to expand. And, yeah, definitely think cash flow. I think cash flow is king. When I say the word, I know is that we've always said cash flow is king. It's actually really true. Cash flow is indeed king. Yeah, because cash is just dying away at the moment. It's becoming worth less and less every passing day. Um, yeah. It's interesting what you said there about expanding your business, because that's one of the questions I was going to ask you about what you're going for for the future, what's going to be next for you. Because uh, we work with uh, some letting agents at the moment, and they're seeing a lot of their landlords are getting rid of their portfolio because they are single let landlords, they're buy to let landlords, and obviously they're experiencing problems with the increased mortgage payments, as you say, and they can't necessarily refinance them or they don't want to take the risk of refinancing them. So they're offloading their properties. So are you seeing a lot of potential at the moment then with properties being offloaded by landlords that you can pick up either as purchasing them or as taking the rent off them and giving them a higher guaranteed rent than they otherwise would have? Um, there's still a, it's, it's amazing what the sort of market we are in. There's still The market is still quite hot. And it's surprising because you would have expected that with all the things that happened, it should be cooling down. It is cool. Sorry, it should have cooled down. It is cooling down, but not as fast enough as I as, as everyone would have feared. A lot of my, um, both myself and my mentees and masterminders that we have are still experiencing such competition when they go for viewings. And, and, and obviously, we so, the, the, then they realize that some of the tips that we give them is absolutely crucial because that's the only way they can actually secure the properties. However, um, there are landlords selling off their portfolio, but most of them I find are selling a portfolio on the premise that property values are, are a little higher. And what we're finding is a lot of surveyors are preparing for what could possibly be coming and not wanting to give such a high valuation. So there's still something like that disparity in there. So whilst the, the properties, excuse me, are being sold off, people, I mean, some, some unknowing buyers are buying at such rates that they could get themselves in trouble. But um, certainly we are seeing properties are being downvalued. And so you, you find a lot of properties coming back on the market. So if you're, if you're a savvy buyer and you know the tips, you know where to pick up the property. You're not just going for the properties that has been freshly listed on the property and, and the seller is still super excited on, on what they could possibly get because they've been told that by the estate agent. However, you if you're able to snap up properties, is that sort of come back on market and then the buyer is now a bit much more um, worried and, 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 and scared that they, they've been on the market for a long time, depending on whatever they wanted the funds for. They're now in, 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 in a situation that they want they would really want to take an offer. So we have seen people selling off portfolio. Um, we don't tend to take, in terms of rent to rent, we tend to go for like finished properties because I'm not, I mean, I'm a development myself. I'm, I'm, I do new builds, um, commercial conversions. 
there's no way I'm going to be going through all of that stress on someone else's property. Um, so we, we, we tend to go for all the newly done up properties, blocks of apartments that have been sort of freshly done or, or even new builds as well. And so we don't, we don't, we don't, as a part in our portfolio, we don't take up rent to rent with um, properties that I don't know. Obviously there might be a deal to be done there if we need, if, we, if someone was looking to offload something that needed work or whatever, we can have a conversation, but it, as a general rule, we sort of go for newly done properties. Um, it's just a it's, it's just a very very funny market money. You, you, I don't think you can say, oh well, I'm going out for this particular thing. You, you get out and it's something else entirely. Um, everyone doesn't. I think I, what I've realized is, but even the agents, everyone seems to be unsettled on what's happening. What's 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 the next outlook? What, what's going to happen next? We we, we, all, we all don't know. Mm. It's, it's something you pointed out there. I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. But, uh... Because that's a problem I hear a lot. You mentioned about the tips that you give your mentees when they speak to agents. Now, obviously, you mentee people in how to do service accommodation, so I'm not expecting you to give us the uh, the secret gold that you that you only give for your mentees. But when you're when someone is talking to a, a letting agent about using a property for service accommodation, obviously, it's a, a conversation that has to be handled very carefully. Yeah. Is there any advice you can give? for people that want to do that and how to talk to the agents? Yeah, I think the first thing is, I'll always say, is you want to sleep well at night. You want to know that what you've done, you're okay. So never get a property on a premise that, oh, it's just going to be mine, and then you stick someone out, you, you don't use that service accommodation. It absolutely is not worth it at all. Mm. And in terms of tips on what to do to actually um, get agents, I mean, unfortunately, some rookies and not those that have not actually done it properly or um i've given i've given service accommodation operators a bad name however there are still lots of agents that will want to do this so i think the key thing is making sure you can have a a contact point with the um with the agents with estate agents and making sure that they buy into you as a person as against the property the property is secondary once the agent understands and feels that their their property is well secured with you they would fight your corner with the landlords so a lot of times people are just thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to increase their um, offer. I'm just going to tell them I'm going to have a fancy website and all of that. No, they've seen all of that. I think emergency most things making them reassured that you as a person are looking to deliver a good service. Now, obviously, it becomes easier if you've done one or two and you have reference points to say, oh, we've worked with this agent or we've done this. And then that makes it easier. But I think on, when you're starting off, one of the things that I always say to you is you should have more time. Just have it go to the property, go and have a chat with them, and then try and get almost like a personal contact, personal relation. Sometimes it's even, I mean, as we, we, we guys, for example, that if you're into football, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying guys, anyone can be into football, I'm not into football, that's why I say you, you can obviously start talking about football, talk about something else that is besides the property, almost trying to reassure them and tell them about yourself. You start coming across about what you do, and eventually you get to the subject of the property. Now, obviously, because we've been talking and we've been talking about something else, when I've come into conversation about how I go into business or whatever, and I think at that point, they're able to listen to you clearly. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that just because they can listen to you, they, they've, they've understood what you, you want and they, you've got a um, connection with them, uh, that they would give you the property because the property might still not be right in terms of the landlord. But what they end, end up doing, and this is what every single time, is now they are going out to look for a property that would work for you because they always would have one property within their portfolio that would be that probably is difficult to shift or something. It doesn't have the parking directly on there. There was something that not sure everyone has gone. Then they would have that conversation with the landlord to say, 
you know what, it's been two weeks in the market. I think this is the concerns we're having is a smaller room or whatever, but we have someone that's going to take it irrespective. I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd advise you try it out. Now you try out that one property. They are rest assured that the rent comes in a longer time. They're managing the property with the AGM for, for the landlord. You never really call them out. I mean, most of the things you just sort it out. Trust me, which what agents doesn't want to have more money and then less job? They're going to keep looking to give you such properties. So it's about the connection, I think. So very much it's about the relationship you have with the agents and building solid relationships with the agents. Absolutely, absolutely. So do, do you go to networking meetings with agents and go to open days with agents? Maybe early days. Not so much now. <laughs> <laughs> not so much now. Again, we're not aggressively building our rent portfolio, so mm. um, not so much now. But if you're, if you're starting out, is that something that's a, an idea to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think touching base with the agents, going into the office every now and then, just having a chat with them, um, looking like like you said, going to network meetings with them. You just need one contact, um, the right contact. And once you, I mean, key things if you have a letting agent manager, for example, and you you you're your first names with him, and you can actually just have a rapport there, easy peasy. They're gonna they're gonna fight your corner with you. I mean, even with agents that we have currently, that we maybe we don't have any properties directly with them. We still have people, mentees or whatever, that will come to us for certain things and we can put them in touch and they go off our relationship, even though we're not necessarily doing it because they know we're training people to do it. They just feel they'll be able to get that service off us. And, it's, and especially if the letting agents are affiliated to some sort of buying agent, it still helps us. Again, you just see that connection, the relationship built there is actually helping in terms of actually buying properties that are run down, buying properties below market value or whatever it is. So, so we're able to leverage that relationship so when you see that when you when you understand that the relationship you're building on that front is helping you in every other area then you obviously know that it's worth investing in building that relationship mm. okay and at the moment you're you're also mentoring other people in how to do this what made you want to go down that route yeah i was doing it anyway um i can talk i can talk all day i love property and looking back i've always loved property as a child i've always sort of been involved in property because my father is a is an electrical engineer so i'll go with on, on sites with him so i've always sort of loved the idea of creating something from nothing but never initially knew i would find an expression of that in in, in property and um, so i always love conversation about property so whilst even even when I wasn't necessarily um, doing it as a structured business, I was doing it anyway. I would talk hours. I mean, all of my families or introduce them to property in some way or form. Friends and family just tell them, well, you can do this. Aunties, everyone. So I was always constantly doing it. And I think when I realized that there was a lot of pressure for my time um, and, and versus being able to build it, I realized I needed to create a more structured environment so that I can actually do this properly as against just giving people the rest of me. I could actually create time and cover up time and give them the best of me at that particular time as against just giving them tips where they're. Um, I think one of the things that um, came out was when I, I was, um, I was in, my, in my mind, I was, it was early days for me, but I got approached by someone that I said, oh, I heard you've done fantastic things. I was like, what are you talking about? And I, I'm still very early, but he was like, oh, no, no, whatever you do. And literally start helping him and leave him. And as, 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 as I as I have it, he, he was buying a property on a prop. He was buying a property on the street that I just sold a property for, and it was buying for fifty thousand more than I had sold mine. It was run down. I did mine up, 
And I think it was two things for me. Obviously, I helped him, but two things for me made me think, actually, I should start keeping my properties. I cannot keep selling them um, because obviously they, 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 I, mean, I, I was losing out. I was leaving money on the table because, I mean, it was just about three, four months down the line when I had sold and he was buying for more. So I think that that taught me a lesson about, and, and I started doing BRR at the time I was just buying and selling. So that taught me a lesson. But then also, I think just someone having faith in my, my so-called little experience um, made me realize actually I had something to give, and and made and and, and, and now I say that I always say that your your ten percent because I thought my my ten percent I only had ten percent at the time your ten percent is someone else's hundred percent. So I realized that even though I thought I didn't have enough experience, that was all the experience this other guy needed. And so we eventually went into a structured environment. I mean, I started off doing like one-to-one mentorships. I I, do, I still do one-to-one mentorships. I but I, I do more of the masterminds because I can get people uh, not only learning from me but learning from each other as well and keeping themselves all energized. And then we yeah we just moved on from into the different aspects that we that we offer in terms of property tours. We do we do retreats away away retreats now sort of business retreats. It's just sort of evolved based on the demand and what people have asked for. Hmm. So if, if somebody is a, say, a buy-to-let landlord or they're, they're, they're watching Homes Under the Hammer right now and they're thinking, I could do that, what's the first step for them to get help from you? Um, I think I, I offer a, um, a free 30-minute strategy session. And the reason why I do that is I, always, I want an opportunity to be able to know that I can help you, but also an opportunity for you to see what, I mean, to, to have a chat with me, to see that I can actually... Um, I can actually deliver what I say, um, but also we have lots of free free information online, um, which they can actually download and just obviously learn a bit more. Because I'm I'm a big believer in the fact that don't just think about stuffing all the information on. You have to be an action taker. So you get get access to all this information, and if you think yes, this is something for me, then straight away try and get into one of our masterminds if you're looking to buy properties. Or if service accommodation is where you want to start off. I think a lot of time what I realize is people don't actually know what to do. They don't know what to take. They like the sound of everything. I just want to make money, but you need to cut it down in bite sizes. Yes, we talk about multiple streams of property income, but you need to start with one. And I always say to you, just what's what's going to be your one? And before you get good at really at, at what you at, at one, you can leverage it out, get staff, outsource, or whatever, and then go do the next thing. And that's how we build our multiple streams of property business. Excellent, and we can share any links that you've got for the the, the online the, the training the, the downloads. We can share those links below the, the podcast for anybody that's interested in in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you, so it's not just service accommodation that you mentor people in. You mentor people in multiple streams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we within our portfolio we have a single let. We have HMOs, um, which is our lettings. Icon range is really a four stream business. We have the apartments, which is Obviously, the service accommodation, short-term accommodation. Um, we have um, developments, which is where we do like new builds, commercial to residential conversion, which is one of the major ways we build our eight-figure system, um, eight-figure property business. Um, but we also have um, letting. I'm um, sorry, the first one. We also have lettings, which is our single lets. Um, HMO, which is also of multiple occupancy, and we obviously have commercial lettings within that. And then lastly is the academy, where we do like our retreats. Um, masterminds, um, mentoring, and property tours. So just literally four streams to our business. So yeah, we do. I always say if there's a property strategy that I've not done, I know someone that's done it. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what? What? Well, I think your your favorite one, I presume, is serviced accommodation. 
Mm, at, at some point, it was. Um, but I think a lot of that has been leveraged to our staff. I don't deal with that on a regular basis. I do more of the developments now because I do the site finding. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll structure the deal. I'll get the, um, the um, our development team on sites. Mm. And then in terms of the exit options, we'll probably like service accommodation. I don't deal with the day-to-day operating. Um, like I rightly said, I, I've done a bit more delving into it recently purely because I think that's going to be the next thing in terms of um, increasing cash flow and making sure that whatever the change, if there's a recession, we stay afloat. So I've delved back into it to sort of boost that side of the business. But in terms of the day-to-day operation, and I, I think that's the beauty of service accommodation, you can build that size of a business and not have to do it day-to-day. I mean, if that's what you choose to build it to that level. And we we have a manager, we have staff that would also manage it. So I don't really need to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And in in terms of mentoring people who are just starting out on the journey uh, with you, what sort of success stories have you had with people and and helped them get to where they want to be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm constantly amazed at the number of people that have come in ourselves. It's amazing and I never would have thought I could touch that number of people, um, loads and loads, people that have built six-figure businesses off what I've actually taught them. And in, I, th- I think the key thing with, with, with my mentees is the space of time, the, what we had, what they've achieved in a short period of time. So we had a mastermind um, on Wednesday, and one of the ladies on there said to me, said, Tony, you don't realize what you've helped me achieve. She came on our, our retreat in um, Lanaka in Cyprus in December of 2021, we are in August of 2022 and already she has five properties. And she was like, you don't understand. She's like, oh, I'm super stretched. I was like, yeah, you, you brought that up on yourself. Buying five properties within that space of time, losing the, 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 the tips that we thought uh, is, is a lot. And these are properties that have been used, are used as um, a mixture of service accommodation, HMSO, huge cash flows coming from them and being able to use like one lot of de- one, one or two lots of deposit to do it again and again. And I think some of that is like, she could have been waiting years before she could achieve that. And both she and her partner still have their day jobs. Obviously, that's the next conversation we're having to say, decide what you want to do because there's, you're, you're going to wear yourself out thing. But it's, it's that sort of success. So that's one. That's I mean, another one of our, my, my mentees, actually a pharmacist, and she literally went from being in debt. And I, I was amazed at that because as a pharmacist, you'd have thought, surely you're making enough. But because of the certain financial circumstances she was, went from being in debt to building a business. And she was also at one of our retreats. And she was still obviously trying. I think the amazing thing is how she was making money and still not understanding her numbers. And um, Toby had to sit down and we had to say, oh, but she said, I'm making the money. What was happening? And we actually had to go through our books. And in a year, 300 and something thousand had come through our books. And she was like, she sat down and said, how? How did I actually build a business that was doing that much from being in debt? And it was just sort of, I, I was I was intrigued and I'm happy for her because not only is she managing a business that big, she wasn't even aware it was happening. She was just obviously taking day to day at the time, not wanting to look at the bank accounts just because of the fear of what's happened in the past. And it's things like that. You just think, obviously, this is it's a lot. I mean, she, she, didn't do it in one, she didn't do it in one month. It, it does take time for things like that to build up. But it's, it's, it's the, um, it wasn't like it was, that was what was set out. So there, there are loads and loads of stories of people that never really, and I think that's one of the people that I sort of attract, people that never even thought 
It was a thing. They didn't come out saying, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a trillionaire. They liked the idea of it and just taking steps, one step at a time and building that, whether it's in BRR, buying, refurbishing, refinancing, um, whether it's single let, whether it's service accommodation. It's a mixture. I think the key thing I do with people is making you understand that you're not going to stop until you get to where you want to get to. I mean, we, we no matter what the resistance is, no matter what it is that um, the, 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 the struggles you're having, we're going to push past that. And it's almost like we're, we need to break the glass ceiling. I, I think, yeah, what you've said there is key. It, it, it's not going to stop until you get to where you want to be because everybody has a different goal to Absolutely. where they want to be. And it, it's knowing where that goal is. Um, as, a, as a final question, as a final question, because I think we're just about running out of time now. What's the best piece of advice you've ever either received or given? Mm. The one, I, the one I was given, and it was a bit bitter pill to chew at the time, and I was actually very upset when I got it. But I think I've learned it's actually even really important in this way. And it was your first loss is your best loss, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" Especially when I was going through that loss. Don't you dare talk to me about that. But actually, sometimes it's really key to know when to stop clogging a dead horse and understand when you need to rejig things, when you need to get help. Because sometimes you just think, oh, no, I'll just keep I'll just, I'll just keep my head in it. I'll just I'll not talk to anybody. I will not do anything. I, I can walk. I can, I can walk my way through this, not knowing when to cut it and say, you know, what? let's draw the line here. Let's actually sort of find a way. And, and yeah. I've used that in, in a lot of ways in, in not necessarily saying them not necessarily losses, but I've looked I've I've looked that into in used that in knowing when to, to to get out get out of a deal, when to actually say enough is enough, when to actually um pivot my way into something else. I mean, I've used that in many ways ever since then, although it was difficult when I got it. But I think it's been a good very good advice, especially for us in the business entrepreneurs in the business world. That's a fabulous piece of advice. That is a fabulous. Yeah. The, the most successful companies in the world cut things when they know it's not going to work. Google is notorious for axing projects before they lose too much money on them. They cut quickly. That's mm-hmm. a great piece of advice. Yeah, know when you're you're flogging a dead horse and just basically stop doing it. I love yeah, that. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Toyin, for joining me today and and just dropping some absolute stellar advice on on service accommodation and property. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to. You. Thank you so much, Darren. Really absolutely loved it. Not even realizing that we've spent that much time. But yeah, it's been beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.